0: Alberta Beef Producers is looking for the next provincial representative to the Canadian Cattle Youth Council. Apply today for the chance to represent Alberta cattle producers on a national and international level. Improve your resume with learning opportunities like board governance and media training. Expand your network in the industry and learn about the many ways you can get involved now and in the future. Nominees must be between the ages of 18 and 40 and an eligible cattle producer in Alberta. Applications close May 17th, 2024. You can learn more by going to abpdaily.com. Today, General Manager Ryder Lee joins us for an update from the Canadian Cattle Association. Hello, welcome back to The Bovine. I'm your host, Deborah Murphy, stakeholder relations manager here at Alberta Beef Producers. And are you getting packed up? Are you headed out east to Ottawa for the Canadian Cattle Association's annual general meeting? I know a number of people who are, and if you're one of them, safest of travels to you. We had a chance here in Alberta to hear from the Canadian Cattle Association at a number of events, actually. Uh, ABP hosted our annual producer meetings where we heard from General Manager Ryder Lee. And again, um, Ryder joined us at our annual general meeting at the beginning of March. And as part of his presentation, Ryder and I kind of worked together to create a bit of a podcast in case he couldn't make it to a meeting, we could share it there. And also just so that we could share it with all of you who may not have been able to make it to one of our producer meetings or our AGM as well. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce to you my conversation with Ryder Lee, General Manager of CCA. Hello, Ryder.
1: Hello, Deborah. How are you?
0: I'm good. It's it's producer meeting season. Are you traveling all over the countryside?
1: Well, I'd never seen the flying saucer at St. Paul before, but I did get to see that last week. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. There you it's go. Getting on a few more highways than I have been in my past.
0: Yes, getting to see people in person is is a treat these days. Um, so your presentation obviously is foc- focusing on the Canadian Cattle Association. I think a lot of our listeners have a general idea of, you know, what that what the CCA is. Can you give us a bit of background on what it is that the CCA does?
1: Well, sure. And and it's a important thing to talk about at abp meetings because you know that you talk about the two dollar refundable checkoff that funds abp about a quarter of that gets passed along the cca and our budget rolls up from all the provinces kicking in their funding to about 3.7 million dollars and with that i the largest part of that is is the staff and the expense of showing up to represent beef cattle producer interests, allow everybody here to stay home and farm and ranch. And we show up, whether it's, you know, Ottawa, the government of Canada, um, a lot in the United States, our biggest export market. And then there's also a lot international as well. Some of some aim towards like market access, but also there's lots of international forums and discussions and, and things that come together internationally that find their way back and, and inform what our government does or is trying to do. And we've got to address those at the start versus letting them form up and get back here.
0: So could you give us some examples of what that might look like, some of those events and, and what sure. you've offered from a CCA perspective in going to those?
1: Yeah, like in the past few months, um, we had the Biodiversity Conference, which was called COP15. Um, it was supposed to be in China, which would have been a pain in the neck, but turned out it was in Montreal, so much more accessible. But um, showing up there and you know really continuing to drive forward that message of the value of grazing working landscapes, to biodiversity, to water management, and the importance of grasslands in all of that. And, and, and that was useful. And then another one of those same type of meetings, those COPs, this one was called COP 27, was in Egypt, and that was the climate change operation and, or, or meetings. And we had a couple of people there that were able to speak on several panels and interact with the Canadian delegations. And we've really seen an evolution there of, um, you know, I think not being invited, not being looked at as as positively to now, we've got the government of Canada using some of our materials in their booths and communications and some of our messaging. So we've really moved the dial on on those attitudes to, beef on the land and cattle production or cattle on the land and beef on the plate. So you really need to be there and and come forward with positive messaging. And that's what we've been doing. You
0: mentioned the talk of of trade as well, and specifically the United States. Can you give us an overview, since we're talking international anyways, of uh, sort of the sentiment around trade for beef producers in Canada right now?
1: Well, you know, it's we're... 21, 2021, 2021 was the sixth year in a row of hitting record export values. So it, it's just a growing um, story and, and that's positive for just having. We've got great stories on on our export values. We have the markets. We just need to keep them and we could, we could grow our herd if, if you know, the right things fall from the sky, as far as rain and, and moisture goes. Um, but we need, we can't take those for granted. And there's some upside out there, you know, South Korea was a great story this past year. They had some food security concerns. So they, you know, we have a like an 18% tariff into South Korea and they created this quota of 100,000 tons of duty free, so zero tariff. And we watched our exports go in there and go from up sixty four percent, so it really reinforces that that work that we do showing up at trade negotiations, doing the work to to remove tariffs, and sometimes it take if they get removed over time is going to pay off and is paying off. So it was a good illustration of yeah, this stuff works.
0: Can you tell us a bit more about the Indo Pacific strategy? We've heard that a lot in the news lately. So what, what does that mean from a beef perspective?
1: Yeah, some some big news there as far as Canada investing in uh, the Indo-Pacific, that Asian side of, of the Pacific, you know, looking at our top five markets, Japan, mainland China, South Korea, Vietnam, Hong Kong, over time, um, about 20% of our beef exports are headed there. So that's a big part of our market for For both directions both sometimes it's they pay more for some of the things that we like there's some high value markets there but then also they pay more for some of the things that that in our market don't sell for very much so and then also you know when you look at growing population growing wealth of that population you know there's a lot of people aiming toward that part of the world for Growth opportunities in both value and volume. So, we need to have somebody that can be on site to help with. Oh, it looks like country X or Y is going to introduce a new uh, regulation or law, and we think that'll stymie Canadian exports. It's harder to do that from this side of the pond when you you know all the things that you have to look at to have some of the offices that they've announced and some of the staff that they've announced over there to help facilitate trade and, and also to help defend market access that's just what we need to to keep things flowing and to grow them into the future so that's why we've been so supportive of um minister of foreign affairs announcement of of that funding
0: we've kind of kept it a little bit high level on trade. And uh, but before I move on, is there anything else that you think beef producers should know about CCA's work on trade?
1: Well, I think another part of the showing up piece is, you know, when we were, what we got with country of origin labeling was a policy that developed in, in local meetings and state meetings in the U.S. over time. And when it got, To DC, we engaged. And by that time it was too late. So what we have switched to doing is making sure that we are on site at places where things like this can develop. You know, where we're going to state meetings to make sure policy that's developing, we're helping shine light on things that might be baloney about what's going on in Canada or in trade flows, and try to make sure that those policies that develop where they're developing whether it's in the US or like I said at these international forums are better informed so they don't come all the way and then all of a sudden hammer us because they we haven't engaged early enough
0: okay you said you said it uh shining the spotlight on policy so let's move over to Canadian um policy and especially farm programs what has CCA been working on on that file
1: well, a couple of things I mean one is you know we'd we'd sure like to see the livestock tax deferral program improved. We've had droughts and floods and and things that have caused people to to need to downsize their herd for a period or for a time and but they're going to get back in and the The tax deferral program has to wait for the Minister of Finance to decide and sign off on it, and that usually takes a while. You don't know. We think it should be an individual election, something that can happen fast, and it should apply to more than breeding cattle, to all kinds of cattle. So that would help a person make those decisions um, a lot faster. The other one that's big is livestock price insurance and making that better and more widely available. So it's already available here in Alberta. So the biggest thing that that we think would help there is um, treating the premiums in price insurance the same way as crop insurance premiums are treated. So the government helps on crop insurance premiums and they're not due until the fall. We think the same thing should happen to cattle price insurance or livestock price insurance program as well. That would make what's already a good program an affordable program and we saw in the US where they went from uh, being in the boat. We are where the producer pays all the premiums and uptake was kind of similar. And then the government started participating in the premiums and it's a hockey stick. And that uptake just went up dramatically proving that, yeah, it's not that the program isn't very good, it's that the program is costly. And hopefully that will inform our provincial and federal governments to to learn from that south of the border experience and implement something similar here. And that's so big for for the risk that we face in this industry and especially for, for young and beginning producers that aren't in an equity position that they can, you know, have a banker that's like, hey, old friend. No, the banker's like, hmm, I'm not so sure about you. and And price insurance can help can help that uh lending partner feel a lot better about what they're getting into and agreeing to
0: we're we're coming out of a pretty intensive hopefully we're coming out of it i mean there's quite a bit of snow in parts of alberta drought um what did you what did cca learn on agro recovery is there anything that you're chasing on that as well in terms of improvements
1: well we i think since i started with cca in 2005 and i think it predated me there about looking for better disaster programs. And part of the trick with disaster programs or anything that is looking forward is governments won't necessarily commit themselves to what they're gonna spend in the future. So what we've got with agri recovery is at least a framework that the feds and the provinces talk to each other and can, you know, move forward. We think it could move faster and have some better triggers and we continue to talk about that but um, you know we also need to be there when there's disasters and and it's a good thing that we have relationships with governments um, both provincially and federally and that we show up regularly ABP has come to Ottawa and fly-ins for years to build those relationships when we have to show up and say yeah there's a program but it doesn't apply to this this and this for and and that's pretty big for cattle production i remember a couple of years ago there was some floods and the, the program that was in place helped rebuild fences but the fence had to be gone and then there's so there was all those flooded fences out that were wrecked but if you drove by you could well there's still a fence there and explaining to them about rust and rotten posts and <laughs> just the details that uh, that's another part of the showing up is is we've got to be there to be able to explain some of these things or or programs that are supposedly doing something don't don't get the job done.
0: You've also talked about in your presentation the transfer of care documents. Can you give hmm. us a bit of an update on those as well? I think there's still a lot of a lot of questions around that.
1: Well, transport in general has been a big part of our conversation with Ottawa um, recently and, and for a long time. And transfer of care documents came into need and, and requirement here a little while ago. Um, and, you know, this was our our first, I guess, Feb twenty 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 two um was when they were required and we continue to talk about how how are those enforced and can we focus on the animals themselves so can we do something where you know short trips don't require extra paperwork um focus on where there's negative outcomes you know how do we deal with that versus more paperwork burden making it harder to be a livestock hauler um we're short of drivers already and we saw that in the fall run and every layer of, of red tape or or requirement that we pile on it makes it easier for for drivers just to choose you know and potato chips or some other inert good that uh, is is easier to do and then that folds into as of january 1st we have mandatory electronic logging devices which um you know, when you hit your, your maximum time of hours in service, you know, for safety's sake, a person has to take a break and, and we're not arguing with that. That's been the same with logbooks for a long time, but there's some extra functionality with these ELDs that, that can impact how the the truck can move and, and can get people in trouble where We would like there to be enough flexibility to be able to finish that drive. If you've got an hour left or 100 miles in in the U.S., it's a 150 mile air mile radius on both ends of their trips. So that allows for, you know, your loading here. If if your vehicle goes above six kilometers an hour, I think the the on-duty time kicks in. And if you've got some bad weather, maybe a bad border crossing, maybe traffic ever happens, you know, traffic snafus, especially when you're you're crossing across the north of the Great Lakes there, there can be some things that uh, take a long time to subside or that can come up suddenly weather wise. We just want that flexibility in there to allow us to to do the right things for the animals. So. There's a lot of conversations going on with Ottawa Transport Canada is not somebody we've talked to lots in the past, but they're the ones about ELDs and, and hours of service and, and then CFIA on the other front. So it's uh, things you have to show up and, and push for and, and the reception isn't always, oh, sure. Well, you asked. well, why don't we? There's usually a, a lot of convincing that has to go into it
0: in addition to all this kind of behind the scenes work that you do there's work that we see externally like um, guardians of the grasslands in the last few years and uh, more recently too close to home those are communications pieces from the CCA what what's a communications piece that you're particularly excited about or something that's up and coming that we may not have
1: heard about yet well something that is is up and coming every year is the environmental stewardship award and and i'm really Humped about those, especially this year, because this past not that long ago, we had our our winner and all the provincial nominees, the runners up, if you will, sit down to a round table with the Minister of Environment in Ottawa and be able to convey, you know, this is what we're taking care of, what we're stewards of, and this is how we do it and why we do it and just that kind of profile and that kind of interest from the minister's office. And I think most people at your meetings might have a certain preconception about Minister Gibo, but that openness to hear from industry and, and take that in is huge. And and so I would prod everybody here to think about, you know, their neighbours and, and putting forth those nominations for that when AVP puts that call out. That is... That's not just a fun little pat on the back for your neighbor. It is that, but it's also very important for industry to be able to showcase what we do. And, you know, when we roll that up into a movie like Guardians of the Grasslands, that's really a collection of so many stories that people, I know I I sat with people who watched Guardians and were like, yeah, we do that, not a big deal. (laughs) Right. But it is a big deal that we do that over and over across the country and same with, you know, too close to home is about cattle lowering the the fuel load for forest fire risk. And yeah, we take some of that for granted, but showing people through some of this content that we develop is is so helpful to the messaging we deliver.
0: Yes, our ESA is open already, so producers can get those nominations in before February 28th, I believe. Another piece that that we would have seen this year was the Don't Label My Beef campaign which is pretty exciting. Let's hear hear about it from you Ryder.
1: Well, it is. It's it, it's saddening on one front because we don't care to, you know, drop the big tool like that, like a public campaign that is coming out strongly against what the government is doing, um, can be kind of detrimental to your plans on the next meeting you might have with government. So you don't want to do that kind of thing very often. But it was clear that uh, we were headed to a spot where there would be a warning label on ground beef for for saturated fat levels and, and none of the other single ingredient products that we're going to market, we're going to be facing that. So just a real target on our our industry. And so we mobilized a public campaign and, you know, seven, eight thousand emails going into minister's office, had some people asking about, you know, can you get these to stop? And, and Jennifer in Ottawa said, well, yeah, we can. We, we've told you what we're looking for. <laughs> and and also gratifying after that and we we were able to get the change that we were looking for and we won't see those and thanks to all the consumers and producers that that lent their voice to that campaign shortly after there was a meeting in the prime minister's office and one of the comments to our staff was uh, well it's clear that Canadians love their beef so you know that uh, we're, we're being heard and and we were heard that well but also that that has some persistent value as well that uh, showing showing what support we have in the country was very beneficial to us so that was gratifying and and a nice one to put in the wind column
0: That, that takes us back to the showing up piece cca showed up and everybody else seemed to follow there
1: You bet. That was a whole team thing. I mean, it was uh, ABP had some great participation from their Minister of Health and their Minister of Agriculture. I was with SCA at the time and I was on CBC's As It Happens. And they don't call us. (laughs) So all of a sudden, everything was, you know, all kinds of media was looking at us and looking to engage and and we were able to to engage with that and, and make it move in the right direction.
0: On your final slide, you gave a, a dedicated piece to a leader, a mentor, and a friend. Did you want to say a few words on that?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we lost our chair, Reg Schellenberg, here in early December. And, and you know, just um, a real kick in the pants to all of us at CCA and anybody that that knew Reg or Shannon or their family. Um you know just a reminder of who we work for and it, it helps us lean into all the things that that reg took care of and if you ever saw any footage of his place there on the north shores of of lake Diefenbaker, you get that that environmental stewardship piece comes through in spades so happy to work for for all the producers that i do work for but you know keeping reg especially close to our thoughts
0: that was Ryder Lee, General Manager of the Canadian Cattle Association. Thank you for listening. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. I appreciate that. If you have any feedback for Alberta Beach producers on our podcast, The Bovine, you can reach us at podcasting at Or, of course, we're on all kinds of social channels. We still have snail mail, and I'm pretty sure a fax machine. So no excuses. Get in touch. And as always, remember, if anybody asks, you heard it on the bone line